Well, thank you so much, guys, and congratulations, my goodness. So excited for you. And uh, I have just been blessed as we've been worshiping. I just feel like this has been such a wonderful preparation as we are in this Advent season for what God might have for us as we look towards Christmas. Uh, Would you spend a moment in prayer with me as we turn to God's word now? Lord Jesus, uh, we ask that uh, you would do the work that only you can do to prepare our hearts today uh, for all that you might have for us, your gift of peace given to a weary world. May it rest deeply in our hearts and may it not be contingent on if things are going well or if things are not going well, but may it be about our ability to truly connect to you, to understand who you are and what you are about. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I have a a confession here at the beginning of our time looking at peace because later today I have a big AYSO soccer game. And so (laughs) I really, really, victory has been on my mind and my heart in in many ways. Uh, But it's kind of fun because uh, I, this whole, uh, this whole soccer season, there's a, a coach on another team and we were on another division, but he attends our church. It's the Caldwell family. Um, Derek Caldwell, and then his son, Lou, is the star of his team. And we've been seeing each other at church and at the soccer field, and we've been wondering if there may come a day where we get to battle on the soccer field for bragging rights for the entire year. So really, I just want to monopolize my time up here to call forth the prayers of St. Andrews (laughs) to pray for victory. For the lightsabers uh, today, uh, Remy's team uh, will be playing at one o'clock, set your timers. No, I'm just, it's it's all good, but um, I just uh, am excited today to talk to you about peace. And as we've been looking at the Advent season um, and and thinking and reflecting on this important time uh, in the life of the church, I want to just remind us as we go to our text this morning that Advent is really a time where we learn how to wait. Um, We learn how to wait expectantly. Uh, So it's not just waiting for waiting's sake. As a people of Los Angeles, we know there are many times when we're forced to wait that we do not like as we sit in traffic, as we stand in lines. But uh, the waiting we learn to do here in the church in this Advent season is really, uh, it's really a place of becoming. That there's something about happens when we learn how to wait expectantly that changes us. And it's an important season. It's not our favorite season because we have to look at some of the harder texts in the Bible and we have to really look at some of the harder things about the reality of what it means to be human but it's also an important season because it helps us become what God would want us to become. 
And we know that as we look around and we think about peace, we can really just be honest and say, you know, there's a lot of ways in which our heart longs for peace and yet we have not realized that peace. Um, we haven't realized it in the external world. That's the easy place we can point to and look around and say, a litany of things that we see that are really unfinished, unsettled, broken, anxious. But if we, if we want to get a little more honest, we might even look internally today and take inventory and say, where are the pieces inside of me that are yet to be made whole by the truth of who God is and my relationship to Jesus who reconciles all things? And, and to really just examine uh, where is it that, that God's peace has yet to be made room and, and, and to invite God, maybe to just start inviting God, say, God, would you, would you make peace even there in those places that I struggle with? With that in mind, I want to invite you, you can either follow along on uh, the screen or you can listen along or if you have a pew Bible, you can do any of those. As I mentioned, one of the things that we do in the season is to look at um, some of the darker things in scripture and today's uh, scripture is no exception and so hear these words from the opening chapter of Isaiah. We're going to start at verse 11. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of, I have, a more, I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate them with all of my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. So we can see here, these are some pretty intense words right at the opening of this uh, book of Isaiah. The prophet is called to bring a difficult challenge to the leadership in Jerusalem. The background of this text is that Jerusalem has been attacked by foreign nations a number of times and is really vulnerable in this season. And so they're dealing with the anxiety of their vulnerability, of their insecurity. And peace is really at the center of what the Israelite community is supposed to be about. The Shema is the, the source of where all the law and culture of the Jewish people springs from. This, 
this prayer that things would be at peace and whole. So you can imagine as they're vulnerable to foreign attacks that they're lacking this peace that's supposed to be at the center of their community. And really to be uh, attacked and vulnerable is not something that's their fault. But how they're dealing with their anxiety is where we see Isaiah challenging the leadership how they're dealing with their anxiety. All of this religious activity that if we just listed the things that they were doing, we'd say, wow, these are it is an impressive list of religious activity, and yet you saw the language that God uh, was speaking to the community through Isaiah. He says, I'm weary. That God is weary. God, we don't think of God that way, that he is exhausted by all the religious activity that's going on here. It's as if God, right, is being given a gift that he really doesn't want. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience. You're probably going to have it at least once this year where you're given a gift that you don't want. Uh, I recently was given one. I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm not going to say who it was from. But you know, the, you know the experience, right? It's where you have to put your best acting skills on. Like you're going to have an opportunity this Christmas to be a good actor at least once. And you say, oh, thank you so much for this thing that I don't want and, and, and is, if you could kind of like take apart what it is that, that a gift that's given that you don't want is, it typically maybe has to do with the fact that the person who's giving that gift doesn't understand your character or personality, right? That they, they're giving you a gift and they're giving a gift that kind of actually shows that they don't understand you that well. They don't know what you like. They don't know what you don't like. And so, you know, we all take our best guess, but sometimes we get it wrong, and then you end up kind of showing that you don't understand something about the somebody that you're trying to give a gift to. Or another classic mistake is when you give a gift to somebody, that's really something that, that you like and you want. Like, hey, Katie, this year, I just thought we could do a weekend surf trip. I know you're excited about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and in that way, you're really giving yourself a gift through, through that process. In some ways, with harsh, harsh language, I think this is what God is trying to teach this community. He's saying, you're, you're really busy giving a lot of gifts, but you're really not thinking about the character of those gifts. Do they have the character? Uh, do these worship, these worship activities actually have the heart behind them that, that reflect me and what I'm about in the world and what I care most about? It's almost like we see this language. I don't know if you saw it there. I've been trying to read commentaries to get why God really hates these new moon festivals with all of his being. But maybe part of it is because in some ways he feels like he is at a party he doesn't want to be at. That there's a party being thrown that 
doesn't reflect his character and there's things that are being done over and over and over and over again that people are saying are for him, but in a sense they're really for themselves. And one of the ways in the religious community as a, somebody who is a full-time uh, pastor who understands the religious community, one of the ways we can get this wrong, right, is that we start doing, 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 and we think that how we're going to get peace is by impressing God with what we're doing. That as long as we do the right things, say the right things, we, we uh, can check off the boxes, and when we go to God with a different posture, and we say, God, look at it. I, I've done all the right stuff, therefore, uh, wouldn't I get the peace that you say that you offer people? You see, we're trying to impress God. We're doing it for ourselves. We're taking control. We're taking control of the situation. We're saying, if I could do the right things, then I'm going to get the right outcomes. And yet, yet God has a different plan. He's saying that this is a version of darkness. This is a version of missing the point. And man, this one, this one we don't want to do because this one keeps us really busy. And this one is in the name of God. Right? And so we want to be really, really pay attention and kind of learn how to hear this, this challenge in a way where we can accept it and not just reject it because it sounds hard. And to be reflective and to say, okay, how is it that God could teach me how to not be busy trying to take control, trying to prove my worthiness? What else might... Uh, how, what other posture can I take so that um, when I'm giving gifts to God, they're the kind of gifts that he likes? Um, and when I'm coming to church and, and taking care of my people in Christmas time, that it's reflective of the fact that this is really about Jesus, right? This, this is about Jesus this season. And so we want to make sure that the content and the character of what we do in this season is something that he could go, yeah, I, I love being at that Christmas. I just enjoy being at that church in Christmas because they're talking about the things that I care about and they're doing the things that I like to do. And so I want to do it with them. One of the ways that we get to be taught that we're going to pay attention to this outright uh, uh, verse in, in chapter 16, you see, you see God just say, just stop. Would you just stop? And it reminds me of another story in scripture uh, that we see in the New Testament, which I've been reflecting on in my Advent prayers this week, the story of Zechariah. Maybe you know the story. He's a priest and he's, he's selected. This, he gets the special privilege of going into the temple, into the inner, inner sanctum of the temple, a place of special privilege. And when he's there, he sees an angel. And the angels, angels are messengers in the Bible. So they bring this good news to him that he's going to have a son. And this son is, is John the Baptist. He learns that he's going to be the father of John the Baptist. Well, he's old and He's really surprised, but this has been the cry of his heart. And so one of the things that he does, even though he's a righteous man, he's been doing all the right things, 
he still says this phrase that gets him in trouble. He says this, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife as well, along in years. How can I be sure of this? Can you hear the desire for control in that moment? Now, we don't want to blame Zachariah. In fact, uh, the, the uh, teachings that I've been hearing, it's like uh, teaching on this text, the, the teacher, she said, don't you feel bad for Zachariah? I mean, he did all the right things. And then he said this one thing, and then uh, he didn't get the outcome, right? For six months or so, he's silent. But that silence has a purpose. And that, that silence, I think, is, is a way of stopping and teaching Zechariah a posture of learning and waiting. And this reorientation is like a workshop of becoming. This waiting is a way for him to learn what it means to truly receive this gift that God wants to give him. Not with assurances and checking every box, but simply by learning how to be before God. No answers needed, no explanations needed, just simply learning how to be before God. The writer Evelyn Underhill, who is, speaks in the spiritual formation tradition, she's out of the 1920s, really fascinating woman writer. She uh, teaches on Advent and she says this, we mostly spend our lives conjugating three verbs, to want, to have, and to do. In other words, craving, clutching, and fussing. Those are the things when we get up in the morning, if we're not careful, we'll immediately go into the mode. What do I want? How do I have it? Truly have it? You see, that's what Zachariah wanted. How do I know? I want to know. And then to do, then we get about striving and being busy. See, Israel craves peace, so they're trying to do all this religious activity to show how good they are, and they're doing more and 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 more until God is even tired. It's just like, I don't want you to do more. I want you to learn how to be with me in the way that I like to be. To take all the desire and the craving and the doing, these things that, that, that are true to who we are, but let them first be informed by our being, to learn how to be. That's what Zechariah was learning. He was learning how to be before God, just simply to be before God. And then he comes out of that six months of silence and what is in his heart? It's a song. This is what he says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And you, my child, speaking of John the Baptist, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. 
because of the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadows of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. Advent, this time of waiting, is a time to return again to what is most true about our being. Our texts um, in Isaiah 1.18, if you just keep following, it says, says this, Come now, let us settle the matter, says God. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Merit says one thing, but mercy says another. All this doing is not the point. But God settles the matter. He brings us to full peace. Colossians describes it beautifully later. The New Testament writer says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, this is the language of Isaiah. This is the New Testament looking back to this dark moment in the book of Isaiah and saying, you remember that? Through Jesus, God has settled it. It is settled. This is the pathway to peace. May you find that true in your being as you stop striving, as you learn how to give up your cravings and just settle in and let God give you his peace. Will you pray with me? And then we have the joy of taking communion together to truly learn how to be. Lord, prepare our hearts. We pray today the prayer uh, uh, from Thomas Keating. It says this, Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection and esteem, approval and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. And I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Amen. Uh,